remember how he took his hands and he plunged it into the clay and he drew out a man. Remember how he breathed his spirit into the first man and animated him and his lights clicked on for the very first time. Remember that, but don't just remember that. Remember how your creator took you and knit you together in your mother's womb and God doesn't make junk. Remember how you came into the world for the first time and your eyes lit up and you took your first gasp of air and you let the world know that you did. Remember how you jumped and you laughed and you loved and you worked and you played. Remember your creator. He made you and he also The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. It is Saints Triumphant Sunday, and we have a scripture this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Here we're wrapping up our sermon series and, and Solomon teaches us here how to live a triumphant life as a saint under God. This is what he teaches us. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise at the sound of the birds, but their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. The word of the Lord. I suppose it's possible that you experienced Solomon's majestic poetry without any story attached to it. That it didn't quite come together for you yet. You experienced it more or less as sort of a collage of images that don't really cohere. If that happened to you just now, I understand. 
But I'm still willing to bet that some of those images stuck with you. Maybe the one about the sun, the moon, the light, and the stars going dark. That's powerful. God takes the lights of the universe and he flips them off. It's powerful. Apocalyptic even. Maybe it was the image of the house. The house is there. Its door is shut. You listen for grinding inside. Signs of the stirrings of life. There's nothing. It's a house gone dark. Then there's the grasshopper. Grasshoppers, they say they can jump over a hundred times their own height. Not this one. It can't even get off the ground. It just drags its body along. It's going dark. Those are some dark images, but there's even starker ones. There's the one where you see this ancient chandelier. There's a silver cord coming down from the ceiling with a lamp on it. A golden lamp. You watch it. It's in front of you, right there in the entryway to the home. You watch it, and all of a sudden, you see the silver cord, its slender cord, break. And the golden bowl comes down this lamp, and it shatters on the ground. And it goes out forever. The one... The water pitcher, it's made of clay. You take it, you take it to the well. Time after time you go and you draw the water of life, the nectar of life. But one more time you try to go and it shatters on the ground. No more nectar of life. So, more, so many images of darkening of dimming. We may not get the story yet, but we get the impression. And it shatters us. At least it should. What you have here is the story of a man. He once was young, but now he is old. Solomon says that he's the kind of man whose body hurts and he's lonely. And he says that he has no pleasure in life anymore. We come to understand why. Solomon gives us an inside picture of what the man's life is like. We see his mental abilities, his sun, his moon, his stars. They're dimming. He has to ask his wife, what's her name again? He can't remember. He has to leave little notes around the house. This is what you're supposed to do now. His mind, which had been like a steel trap, 
He has to jog it now. It doesn't work the way it used to and it's never going to change. It's like a rain shower that just keeps coming back. It darkens the lights like a storm on Jupiter that never goes out. It's like the poet says. The time comes in life when time no longer heals you. Instead, it kills you. We see his mental abilities decline and then we see his body. The strong men begin to stoop. His legs, they begin to shake. His shoulders, they begin to hurt. We look into his mouth. That's what the grinding is about. And, well, let's just say they didn't have dentures back then. It's awful, he says. You wake up at the slightest little noise. But the thing is, you can barely hear the birds. The music of life begins to fade. And that grasshopper, well, let's just say the ancient aphrodisiac, the caperberry, the ancient Viagra, it doesn't work anymore. The man grows older. Now the mourners are just outside. And then it happens. The silver thread that we call life snaps. The golden bowl comes crashing to the ground. You want one more sip of the nectar of life, but it shatters. And it's over. This should shatter us. What Solomon has done is he's put us inside of a time machine. He told us that from the very first. He said, this is what's going to happen to you. Remember it. It's going to happen. It's kind of like um, Charles Dickens' novel, A Christmas Story. You remember what he did? Charles Dickens, he takes Scrooge on a trip. He shows him the spirit of Christmas future and Scrooge will see what his life is going to be like. And he sees his body dead in the casket and he sees his shop with dust all over and he sees the cheap funeral where the, where the people who he owed money to are rejoicing because now they don't have to pay it back to him anymore. He gives him just a little taste of his future. That's Solomon. This is you, he says. If you think he's being sort of sensationalistic, then you should probably know this. One of the joys of being a pastor is that I get to see people at all the different stages of life. I remember how that hit me in the face the most powerfully. I went to a hospital. And in one side of the hospital, I go in, and I'm holding my member's hand. She's dying. I'm speaking Jesus into her heart. I pray with her. I leave then with a tear in my eye. I might not see her again. Then I go to another part of the hospital. 
pastor, they say, meet Hazel. She just came into the world. I get to see people at all the different phases of life. And when I'm there, people share. By now in my ministry, I think I've been in hundreds of nursing homes, hundreds of personal homes, hundreds of hospital rooms. And do you know what people say to me over and over and over again? It's not sensationalistic. They love their pastor. Do you know what they say? They say this. Pastor, don't get old. What do they mean? What are they saying? This will be you. This will be you. You got to be transported for a moment and you got to see it. This will be you. One day, you'll say to your wife, What's her name again? The plaque of Alzheimer's, the plague of dementia. This will be you. This will be you. You'll remember your grandkids' names, hopefully. But you won't be able to hear them very well. You'll have to say to your son, what did she say? You need hearing aids. This will be you. This will be you. And one last time, you go to Publix, you back into somebody else's car. One more time, the kids show up. You know how it is? Both of them. At the same time, you know something's going on. Their faces are concerned. You don't know how. They don't know how they're going to react. Finally, they come out with it. Dad, we need the keys. This will be you. You'll be sitting at home, and it will be your living room. It will be your living room. You used to look across gorgeous and say, I'm going to hike to the bottom, and then I'm going to hike back to the top, and I love it. But now it's your living room, and now that looks like a gorge. Can you get across? You take out that walker, you press down, you're wondering, you're working at it. This will be you. And then they'll come. The pastor will come. He'll speak Jesus into your ear. He'll bring you the Lord's Supper. The people will be telling you stories and they'll hold your hand and you'll listen. And then the silver thread of life will snap. You'll go to draw one more bit of the nectar of life and it won't be there. This will be you. I know, I know. I, I don't want to think about it either. But God wants us to. It's why he gave us some of the most extravagant poetry in the entire Bible for us to consider so that we will. God wants to take us to our future so that he can take us back to our past so that we can live 
well right now. Did you follow that? This is what he's doing right here in this section. He's taking us to our future so he can root us back in our past so that we can live well right now. So next he takes us back and he says, remember. Remember your daughter. She jumps into your arms. Remember how she used to do that? And your heart warms to her again. Remember how the two towers fell in Manhattan. Remember the horror of that. And your resolve as a citizen will harden. Remember how hard it was to move? It's so hard to start a whole new life and build everything out again. You won't move again, not anytime soon. You see the wedding photo on the wall. Things have been hard lately, but you remember. You made a promise. You're going to keep it. Memory is, is more than just the recollection of facts. It's, this isn't jeopardy for $400 or something like that. Memory is what one person said is the shaping of our souls. So we remember. So we know where we come from and we know who we are and we know why we're here. And so what Solomon does is he causes us to remember. He takes us all the way back to our Genesis. He says, remember your Creator. Remember how he took his hands and he plunged it into the clay and he drew out a man. Remember how he breathed his spirit into the first man and animated him and his lights clicked on for the very first time. Remember that, but don't just remember that. Remember how your creator took you and knit you together in your mother's womb and God doesn't make junk. Remember how you came into the world for the first time and your eyes lit up and you took your first gasp of air and you let the world know that you did. Remember how you jumped and you laughed and you loved and you worked and you played. Remember your creator. He made you and he also recreated you. In that water, he blew his Holy Spirit into you again and he took you from death to life. And you believed in the grace of God in Christ for the first time and you not only lived on the outside, you began to live on the inside. Remember your creator. He made you inside and out. Outside and in, all that you are comes from Him. Remember that all of your life, all of it, is a gift. So He takes you to the future.
to take you to the past so that you can live rightly now and receive your life today as a gift. This kind of remembrance, it leaves us with two great claims on our life. This is the first one. The claim is that God wants you to live your life now. The preacher says, shake off, shake off anxiety, shake it off. Shake off the pains, shake it off. You're alive. Live. That's the first claim. Now, this might hurt a little, but I want to help you do that. I'm going to start with younger people here today. Do you know what entitlement does to gifts? It wrecks it. Think of the kid at Christmas time who's expecting the gift. It wrecks it. Spiritual entitlement otherwise is known as being a brat. It ruins the gift. We live in a country where in our Declaration of Independence, we have certain entitlements, we have certain rights that we give to each other. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we even have a whole bill of rights, certain entitlements that we give to each other. And we celebrate that, rightly so, I have from this pulpit. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have in this country. They are entitlements that we give to each other. But don't mistake that for entitlements with God. We don't have any. You are entitled to nothing. Nothing. Your life is not an entitlement. It is a gift. That air that you're breathing right now is not a right. It's a gift. All of the beautiful experiences that you have under the sun, and they are beautiful experiences, we all know that. It is not a right. They are gifts from your Father in heaven. What if we knew that better? What if you young people knew that better? Would you ever wake up in the morning and say, oh, it's Monday and you're all depressed? No, you wouldn't. You'd open your eyes. And you'd say, wow, I'm alive. The majesty, the magnificence of life. Would you ever be anxious? No, you wouldn't. You'd realize that all of your life is in the hand of your Father who loves you and gives incredible gifts. You know what you'd do instead? You wouldn't be anxious. You'd do what Taylor Swift told you to do. Shake it off. And you'd live your life. Some of you think you're off the hook. You're not. 
I'm going to put this delicately, like Solomon did in the poetry. Some of you here, I got to talk to you. You got the almond blossoms going on the head. You're going white. Now it's your turn. Were you entitled to? Did you buy the great American lie? Did you reverse it? God tells you to live while you can while you're young. Did you say, I'll do it when I'm retired? Did you? Did you presume that you were actually going to get there? And in so doing, did you squander the present? The Talmud, which is a Jewish commentary on the scriptures, on this scripture, is right. It says this, Everyone must give an account before God of all good things one saw in life and failed to enjoy. Turns out there's plenty of spiritual entitlement to go around. I wasn't doing this to hurt you. But I was doing it to change your mind. You're forgiven. Christ came and he lived a life which accepted and took in all of the gifts of his Father to forgive you. You're forgiven. You are. But now change your mind. Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, don't let a day pass again. Receive all of your life as a gift from your Father. Because that's in the end what it is. Shake it off and live your life now. That's the first claim on your life. Here's the second one. Live in faith now. You have a creator. Live in faith in him right now. Do it now. You have a creator. He made you. He made you. You have a recreator. <laughs> He's already started remaking you. That's what faith is in your heart. He's remaking you into the image of Christ. In fact, I could take this one title from God. He's the creator. And I could use it to explain the entire narrative arc of the Bible. God created everything. Then it fell into decay through our sin and into death through our sin. And, and Jesus came and he redeemed it. And he's going to come again. And he's going to recreate it. From creation. To recreation. You are a part of it through faith in Jesus. It means you're going to live again. He's going to recreate you, He's going to resurrect you. In fact, I want to encourage you in that. The great church father Augustine said this He said it was easier for God to give you birth, it was harder for God to give you birth then it will be for him to resurrect you. It's more miraculous. You know why? Because God made you from nothing. Where were you before? Now you exist. 
You know what resurrection is? He's simply taking what already is and reconstructing it. God created you. He's going to recreate you. Put your faith in that now. Do it now. Don't wait. Do not wait. Do it while you're young. You know why that's important to hear? Because you're doing that then before you are forced to. The lie that you can live in your youth and in your middle age is that you don't need God and so what happens is you forget about Him. But one day you'll be forced to remember. Before you're forced to, before the time comes when you realize that you came into this world in diapers and you're probably going to leave this world in diapers, Before you're forced to realize that you came into this world not being able to walk and that you're probably going to leave this world not not being able to walk, before you realize that you came into this world not being able to think very well and you're going to leave this world probably not being able to think very well, before you realize that you enter this world as a child and that you also leave this world, yes, as a child, before that happens, Remember your Creator and live as a child. Live in utter dependency on God. Because you are His child. He is your Creator, Savior, God, who made you as His child to be His child. So be his child and trust him. And ultimately hope in the resurrection of the dead. That's not an entitlement, by the way. Because it's a promise. That's what we call Christian hope. I'm going to dim my sermon today with this bright gospel light. The time will come when we ourselves will dim. Our lights will. And we will grow from an adult down back into a child. So remember this right now. God loves his children. He loves his children. And even when you can't remember well, God remembers you. And so it turns out that we pray like sinners. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he answers, My child, of course I will. Paradise is yours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your father, Solomon, 
he taught us to treasure our lives that come as a gift from our Father. Forgive us through your blood for those times when we've treated it with entitlement, like we deserved it, like it's ours. Give us hearts instead that are in awe of it, that receive it all as a precious gift of grace. And by your spirit, help us to live the life we have with joy. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.